Praise the Lord. We want to be a church that uh, we can still come around the altar and pray. Some churches don't even come around the altar anymore. And, and we want to be a church where the Spirit of God can take over. The Holy Ghost can fall and interrupt. Amen. During the singing, if you want to come up around the altar and sing, you're more than welcome. Don't feel like you're tied to that chair. Praise God. But we want you to feel free to worship God in spirit. Everybody say, in spirit. And that spirit is a small S there. And spirit is enthusiasm. It's putting some oomph behind what you, uh, what God has given you. And you want to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Knowing that He does love me. Hallelujah. No matter what my flesh tells me. No matter what my mind tells me, Jesus loves me. This I know. Amen. Not because my flesh may tell me, but because the Bible tells me so. Hallelujah. We can trust the word of the Lord. We want to be a church that's built on the word of the Lord. Let God's word be true. And every man a liar. Praise God. I want to trust in his word today. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, and I'll start with verse 1. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship today. Amen. I am thankful for the plan of salvation. I don't think it's anything we have to back down on. Praise God. I believe we've got it right if our attitude is right. We don't need to be haughty about it or arrogant about it, but yet we don't need to back down on it. Amen. It's Acts 2.38. Hallelujah. That is the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Romans chapter 6, and I want to talk about baptism a little bit today. Romans chapter 6 verse 1 says, says this, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now he's talking to the church. He says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized, everybody say baptized. If you have not been baptized, you need to be baptized. Amen. Every one of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life for we have been united together everybody say united together. united together in the likeness of his death baptism unites you with Christ and so if we've been united together in the likeness of his death certainly we should we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection amen you may be seated Put your Bibles aside, set them down, amen. 
Why don't you just give the Lord a great big hand praise, a hand clap today. I believe that baptism is more than just an outward sign of an inward work. Praise God. It is obedience to the command of Jesus Christ and the word of God. Baptism is not just an outward sign of an inward heart. It is for, the Bible says, the remission of sins. Some translations say for the forgiveness of sins. When Paul was baptized... And Ananias told him, said, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. There's something I believe when you get into the waters of baptism and go down in the waters into the name of Jesus Christ, that there is a uniting together, a washing, a cleansing that takes place at baptism. It's powerful. I remember when I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ at the age of 13 years old. I had repented of my sins, got baptized the next day in Jesus' name on a Monday. It was just me, my grandfather, and the preacher, and of course Jesus. And when I come up out of that water, I felt so clean. I felt so washed. And I was so excited about this newness of life that I was going to walk in. Can you shout praise the Lord? Are you still excited about what Jesus has done for you? It was a strange wedding. It was the marriage of a captain and Dame Pusky. Her name was Dame Pusky. Try to say that three times fast. And it was in the year 1705. The bride was attired in a very old wedding dress. Maybe an heirloom, you could say. The Bible bells rang out their wedding tune. And a fiddler preceded the bride playing the wedding march. Two bridesmaids scattered flowers and herbs before the pallbearers. No, I didn't get that word mixed up <laughs> Paul bears I said it right there's always a question to that but I said this one right yes the bride adorned in her bridal gown did not walk in her wedding procession but was carried in a piece of twisted linen towards an altar, towards an altar, not towards an altar, but towards a grave. Amen. Welcome home, Shantae, wherever you're at. I saw you, or there you are. Amen. She didn't tell me she was here. Come on up and testify. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> This lady was headed to a grave on her wedding day. Not just any grave, but the grave of Captain Pudsky, who was killed in action when Oliver Cromwell had invaded Bristol some 60 years prior. 
And the story surrounding this event is, is rather a bittersweet story. Because as the captain left for war in the year 1645, he and Dame Barley had enough time to say their vows to each other and promise that the formal wedding ceremony would come later. Then he was gone, off to war, and shortly thereafter, the captain was killed in battle. Sounds like a good love story, doesn't it? <laughs> Dame lived in mourning. This is true love here. She lived in mourning for 60 years, clinging to her wedding dress and awaiting the day that she was going to join her beloved husband in eternity. And she had detailed instructions for her wedding ceremony that would take place at her death. 10,000 people showed up to witness this wedding ceremony. It was the event of the season because it had been planned for 60 years. This wedding took place between two deceased people, one recent and one six decades prior. And on this day, Dame's wedding dress also became her burial shroud. Dame Pugsley was buried and married on the same day. Amen. How many's ever heard of such a thing? <laughs> and I know all the girls are saying, no, let that happen to me. The tradition of the wedding shroud in early days uh, of even our nation's history, it was not uncommon for a woman to be buried in her wedding dress. Because arguably, most people being poor, it was the nicest dress that she owned. Early American Amish women made their own wedding dresses. Typically, they would make it of blue material made to, uh, as symbolic of heaven. And young ladies usually had a mate chosen by the age of 16 as an Amish girl, but couldn't marry until they turned 20. So they had four years to get that dress made. So one of the, one of the tasks in the four-year interval was making her wedding dress. She was married in her wedding dress, and she would also be buried in the same wedding dress. Early Mormon women were also buried in their wedding dresses. To them, it symbolized their marriages were celestial and were not only good for this world, but for the world to come. Amen. Now, we know that we're not going to be married in heaven. Some of you are saying, oh, man. And some of you are saying, phew. 
we get real around here. <laughs> Even today, when a young bride or bride-to-be dies unexpectedly, it is not unusual for her to be buried in her wedding dress. Yet there is no more beautiful symbol, picture, of being married and buried than with baptism. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand praise. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul, in the text that we read today, baptism as a, is as a hopeful funeral, a blissful burial, an encouraging internment because we know we're not staying in the grave. But we're going to be united with Christ at the resurrection. And, and as Jesus Christ was buried in the earth, amen, the Bible says only to rise three days later triumphant and conquering death, hell, and the grave. The Bible lets us know that baptism is with the same triumphant hope that when I go down in the waters, buried in the name of Jesus Christ, I know one day he's going to raise me up that I'm not staying in the grave. Oh, somebody ought to praise the Lord. Somebody ought to praise the Lord. That's what baptism does for us. Amen. Our baptism is in the Bible says the likeness of Christ's burial. In baptism, we put under the water as Christ was put under the earth. Jesus referred to this earth-water relationship when he talked about uh, Jonah in Matthew chapter 12. He said, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the, in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And as Jonah was underwater three days, Christ would be under the earth three days. But I want you to notice what happened to Jonah because of his underwater experience. Amen. He was the same man, but he was different. He died to the world, but he still lived. Amen. His old way of living perished, praise God. And he walked in harmony with God. Our immersion in water is how we identify with Christ's burial. But it's something more, however. It is also where we take on his name. It is a wedding, if you please, where a, where a bride takes on her husband's name in that ceremony. It is where we are betrothed to Jesus Christ. We are betrothed to him. We are to be married to Jesus Christ. Paul told the church in Corinth, in chapter 11, verse 2, he says, I have espoused you to one husband. Now, the church represents the bride of Christ, not another man. Can you say amen to somebody? And I know this kind of, what I'm talking about, men kind of feel weird about this thing. But it's symbolic. 
He says, I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. God's plan for the ages is that you and I could be espoused to Jesus Christ. Someday in the world to come, we will be married. Get Ephesians chapter 5. I, I, I put it on the list if you can pull that up for me real quick. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives. Can all the men say, Husbands, love your wives? It's a big command because the next part says, Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That's how we're to love our wives. But this is really not talking about a husband and wife, this is talking about Christ and his church, scripture, amen, which was, and I don't want to get, uh, I don't want to confuse you today, but in the divine counsel of God, and, and where you read about divine counsel, that's where you'll read plurality in let us make man, there is a divine counsel, not plurality of persons, but that's how it was spoken of, but it's actually Christ and the church and God deciding together, Because those things which were ordained, amen, in the mind of God may not have come to fruition until later, but in the mind of God they are as though they were. And so he says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Go on. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Speaking of the bride of Christ. Obviously, the purpose from the manger in Bethlehem to the cross at Calvary were the same. It was to obtain a bride for Jesus Christ. Do you remember the story of Isaac and Rebekah? It illustrates the bride's present choice for a future wedding. Abraham sends Eliezer, his servant, amen, and he goes by himself without Isaac, but he goes into the country searching for a bride for Abraham's son, Isaac, and upon discovering Rebekah, Eliezer offered her gifts, aren't you glad for the gifts of the Spirit, aren't you glad for the gift of the Holy Ghost, and so he offers them to Rebecca, and the question was posed, will thou go? In other words, she was going to have to leave to go get Isaac, to go meet Isaac. It's found in Genesis 24, if you're curious. And when Rebecca agreed, she was at, when she agreed, she was espoused, espoused, or if I could use the word betrothed, to Isaac when she agreed to go. Now she didn't have to go. Her mom and dad asked her if she wanted to go, but she decided, yes, I want to go. I've never but ma'am, from these gifts. <laughs> and that picture you showed me? No, they went to have pictures back then. That picture you drew me? He's a pretty good looking man. No, 
It didn't matter that she had never seen him. It didn't matter that it would be some time before the actual wedding ceremony. At that moment, she was betrothed to Isaac. Amen. Jesus Christ came into this world to take out a people for his name's sake. He came in search of a bride to share his glory and to share his name. Revelation 19 verses 6 through 9. And I heard John seeing the vision says, And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters as the sound of a mighty, mighty thundering saying, Alleluia for the Lord our God, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage. Everybody say the marriage of the lamb has come. I want to be there. And his wife has made herself ready. Why do I live the way I live? Because I'm making myself ready. Because there's a wedding day coming and I don't want to miss it. Come on, somebody. We've got hope. There's a wedding day coming. I don't want to miss it. Shall praise the Lord. Give me a little more monitor, please. The apostle Paul called the church Christ's bride. Here, John the revelator calls the church his wife. Although the marriage is future, we are betrothed to him now. now how would you like it if you was engaged to somebody and they're out on a date with somebody else let's not go there amen <laughs> but you wouldn't like it in Bible times Betrothal is probably a better word, but engagement was a lot more serious than we take it today. Okay, let's review this ancient Hebrew wedding. And it mostly contained a few elements in it. One was the proposal given. Eliezer proposed to Rebecca in Isaac's behalf. Just as we, somebody proposed to me on the Lord's behalf. Then a price is paid. Nick owes me some money here. I'm fine. See here. Here I paid for everything. Here he's supposed to be giving me gifts. I like the Bible way. But like the gifts given to Rebecca, traditionally bridegrooms pay a certain price for the right to marry and then there's the promise offered the betrothal or promise to be committed and to be true to one another is then given as if you were married and then there's the preparation the bridegroom will go away build a home for the newlywed couple and reside there while the bride busies herself in preparation of her wedding garment. And then last, the procession is started. 
And so from the new home, the bridal party begins to wind its way throughout the streets. For weeks and days leading up to the grand occasion, emissaries would run back and forth from the house and the bride's home, from the house that her bridegroom was built for her, run to her house where she's at now, and they would be saying, He cometh quickly. He cometh quickly. I'm still glad we preach. He's coming, praise God. And on the evening of the wedding, however, when the groom began his march to the bride's home, the cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. The bride steps from her house in her wedding attire, and she goes out to meet her bridegroom. And so the ceremony ensues and the marriage supper follows which could last three days the marriage supper and then the bridegroom takes his bride to the place that he has prepared for her amen aren't you glad jesus incorporated this process into his divine romance of the church jesus proposed to take out a bride for his name's sake. Revelation 22 tells us that Jesus paid the price. He's proposed to us to take out a bride. Revelation 22, 1 Peter chapter 1 and Titus chapter 2. The Bible lets us know that Jesus paid the price for this bride with his own blood. And he promised, amen, that this was to whosoever will. I'm glad that includes me. And I've got good news for you. It includes you today. You are in the proposal, amen. He, has, he is proposing to you. Praise God. He prepared a place for us, John 14 lets us know. And as we prepare our wedding garments, he's preparing a place for us. That where he is, we may be also. Shout praise the Lord somebody. And soon he will come to receive us and we will go out from the earth to meet our Lord. Amen. You may not get excited about it, but it still excites me, praise God. I, hey, it's not too simple, praise God, that I can't get excited that Jesus is coming for me. He's coming for me. He's not going to leave me in a grave, but he's coming back for me. Oh, let's clap our hands and lift our voice to God. Don't lose hope of this, of the resurrection. Amen. Oh, what a time that's going to be. But now we wait and we prepare. Praise God. But we also, now listen to me, we also carry his name. We wait, we prepare, but we also carry his name. How can that be? We're not married yet. We're only betrothed. Well, you can't look at it in Western thought. You got to go back to the Eastern and how they conducted their weddings. In ancient weddings, when the proposal was made, 
and the price was paid. How many believes Jesus has paid the price already? A promise of impending marriage and, 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 and when it was given and it was accepted, it was at that moment that the couple was betrothed. Betrothal is more meaningful expression than engagement, but it's yet le a little slightly less powerful than marriage. But the couple was not married until uh, the public vows were given, that were made, and the marriage was consummated. Yet, now stay with me, to break a betrothal required a writing of divorce. That's pretty serious, isn't it? And the most famous example of this is Joseph. When he thought Mary, before they were married, they were betrothed, but they were not married. When he thought she was pregnant, or he knew she was pregnant, but he thought it was by another man until God told him it was of the Holy Ghost. And to go ahead and take her to be his bride. She's not cheated on you. She's not been with another man. Amen. But the Bible says that he was going to put her away privately. And that put away means divorce. He was going to give her a writing of divorcement privately. Amen. And, and it goes to show you how good a man he was. He wasn't going to make a public spectacle about her and talk about her to everybody. He was going to do it privately. But why did it require a bill of divorce to eradicate the betrothal? And the reason is that the bride had already taken the name of her bridegroom-to-be. The church is not yet married to Christ. However, I can declare to you we are betrothed. Because we have taken on his name. You say, how have I taken on his name? When you go down into the waters of baptism, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are betrothed to Jesus Christ. Amen. Aren't you glad he's a forgiving God? You say, but I failed him since I've been baptized. You don't have to get rebaptized because he takes his vows seriously. He just wants you to take your vows seriously. And if you say, Lord, I'm sorry, will you take me back? His arms are open to you because he loves you and he's engaged. He's betrothed to you. You've taken on his name. Shout praise the Lord, somebody. Hallelujah! Woo! Praise God. Baptism ought to be more to us. I'm of this. I, I'm, I'm getting to this. But I don't even like to wait to baptize somebody. Can somebody shout amen to that? They're ready. Baptize them. Don't call me. Baptize them. Don't call me. Baptize them. Oh. I don't care. Baptize them. In the, you got a swimming pool? Baptize them. Got a key to the church? Come and baptize them. Praise God. You say, well, you got to be a licensed. You don't have to be a licensed preacher. We're all ministers of God. We're all ministers of God. It's time to let the church loose. It's time to let us loose to minister. You pray him through to the Holy Ghost. You pray him through to the Holy Ghost. Can you shout praise the Lord? Hallelujah! 
Hallelujah. You look in the back book of Acts, they didn't wait. It was at midnight. And the jailer said, wash the stripes of the apostles he beat and then said, I want to be, be baptized. They didn't wait. Say, well, let's see if we can get a hold of Pastor James here in Jerusalem. Didn't do that, did he? Bible says they took him out at midnight. Everybody say midnight. They risked their lives at midnight, took him out, baptized him and his whole family in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. They didn't wait. In fact, man, when the uh, Ethiopian eunuch looked at Philip, Philip was an apostle. Amen. He loved the Lord. He was being used of God. And I think the Lord's showing us that, that we can all be used of God. Man, woman, child, God can use us all. But he sends Philip out. to Why didn't he send Peter? Why didn't he send one of the apostles? He sends Philip out to the desert to meet this Ethiopian eunuch who's reading in the book of Isaiah. Philip asked him, understand us what thou readest. He says, how can I let somebody tell me what I'm reading? And he says, is this man speaking about himself or somebody else to come? And through that question, Philip preached to him, Jesus Christ. And somehow in that message out of Isaiah, amen, and somehow in that message uh, that he preached baptism somewhere along the line. Because when the Bible says when they came to much water, the Ethiopian eunuch says, here's much water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And it wasn't, well, it ain't Sunday. Well, we got to go all the way back to Jerusalem. There is only one requirement. Do you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God? You believe he died for your sins? Repentance is the only requirement for somebody to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Shout praise the Lord somebody. It's time to let the church loose. You're the bride of Christ. You carry his name as much as I carry his name. You've got authority just as I've got authority. Because you're betrothed to Jesus Christ. <laughs> Woo! Come on, let's all stand and praise him. Hallelujah. 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 Baptism obviously leads to spirit baptism. Amen. Unless they get the Holy Ghost before. And getting the Holy Ghost before doesn't negate the fact that you still need to be baptized. Look at Acts chapter 10, verses 44, 45. Praise God. Amen. I'm waiting to hear somebody say, Say, Brother Corner, I, I've baptized two in my swimming pool today. And we went down to the public pool. That's what those public pools are for. <laughs> Aren't they? Aren't they? Use them to baptize somebody. Praise God. Get them under the water in Jesus' name. It is said that when they discover what they believe was where Jesus was buried, his tomb, that they found what they called a, the Jews call a mikvah. And a mikvah is where you baptize. It's kind of something like this. They would dig it out of the rock and they'd fill it with water and they would cleanse people. Because there's more than just one type of baptism. There's baptisms. The Jews believed in, in cleansing. Baptism. John the Baptist came baptizing. Things like that. And, uh, and it's believed that they 
built one right there in front of the tomb so that when you came up out of the water, when you were buried with Christ and risen to newness of life, that you would look at his tomb and know that it was empty and know that there's a resurrection coming, that he's coming after me. Hallelujah. I'm betrothed to him. I've taken on his name. He's promised me his spirit. On the day of Pentecost, they wonder, the Bible says 3,000 were added to the church that day. How'd they baptize 3,000? Well, when they dug up the old temple, which was totally destroyed in 70 AD, when they dug up that old temple, they found all these mikvahs in the temple where they would wash. And they believed it must have been these that they used to baptize those new believers in the name that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. They didn't wait. They added to the church daily. Everybody said daily. Church, 24-7. Church isn't this building. Church is you and me. It's you and me. We can have it anywhere, anytime. I'm glad for this, but we need to be having it out there. Can you shout praise the Lord? Hallelujah. This Tuesday, I'm supposed to go to a co-worker's home. He called me up. He said, you know, my wife's wanting, we're buying a new house, and she wants that house blessed. And he says, we go to, now listen to this. He said, we go to such a big church. If I named it, you'd know what it is, but I'm not going to name it. He said, we go to such a big church that we don't know anybody. We don't know any preachers or, you know, there's a lot of them there, but we don't know. But he said, I told my wife, hey, I work with one. I work with a preacher. Man that lives for the Lord. She said, well, call him. Maybe he'll come and bless our house. Now, do I think they have to call me and go bless the house? I'm honored to do it. But more than anything, it opens a door. Hallelujah. To be able to witness and to hopefully lead that family to Jesus Christ. I'm just glad he asked me because he works with me. You know, you know how you work with people. You, I ain't asking him. But because I'm not just the church here, we got to get, we got to quit compartmentalizing our lives. Well, I act one way when I'm here. I act a different way when I'm on the job and I act a different way when I'm at the house. Now I realize that the homes and that we, we let down and, you know, be loosened up as far as relaxed, joke around and things like that. But I'm, it's 24-7 I've got to be a Christian. Because I'm betrothed to him. He's my, he's coming back for me. He's not going to leave me in the grave. You know what? I think the cruelest joke to the atheist will be this. That he'll just leave them thinking they're right. And they'll never know they were wrong. And the rest of us that believe are rejoicing. And, 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 and Paul said he, he saw things he couldn't even utter, unlawful to utter. We don't know what it's going to be like, but it's going to be great. 
I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. This world has nothing to offer me. Amen. But Jesus has everything to give you. He's promised you eternal life. He will not leave you in the grave. He's coming back. See, the Bible says on the last day. See, there is a last day. I realize when it talks about the coming of the Lord, it's not always talking about the end of time. But it does mention the last day. The last day. Are you ready? Are you ready? If you haven't been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you say, what must I do? All you have to do, believe that he died for your sins. That he was the sacrifice. That he paid the price. And Lord, forgive me. Repentance doesn't mean just asking for forgiveness. It means turning around. That I'm no longer going to live life my way. But I'm giving my life to you, Lord. I believe in you as my Lord, my Savior. The one that's coming after me. The one that's going to judge this world. And I want to have no spot or wrinkle. See, that's talking about the wedding dress. Maybe you haven't been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You say, but I've been baptized. Yeah, but was it in the name of Jesus Christ? You say, well, I thought if you got been one underwater, you went underwater. No. No. If that was so, John the Baptist's disciples wouldn't have to be rebaptized in Jesus' name. Because I tell you what, if John the Baptist baptized me, I wouldn't think I'd need to be rebaptized. But it ain't the person that baptizes you, it's the name. It's taking on the name of Jesus Christ. So if you don't know for sure, I'd get baptized in his name. I want to carry that name. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, we thank you for Calvary. We thank you for the cross. But it was more than that because... Paul tells us that if you had not risen from the dead, then our hope is in vain, but that tomb is empty even today as a testimony of your resurrection. You're what I've been searching for, Lord. You're what I need in my life. And I want to take that on. I want to take on your name. I want to be yours, Lord. I've tried to run my own life and do things my way, and I've only messed up. So I'm giving the reins over to you as one song says, Lord Jesus, take the wheel. I can't do this on my own. Is there anybody feeling that way? There's a young little girl that's come to this altar. Is there anybody else says, Lord, I want you to take the wheel. I want you to take reign of my life.
praise God. You say, why do I need to step out? You don't have to step out, but sometimes it just tells ourselves I'm making that commitment. I'm taking that step of faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to represent you, Jesus Christ. Forgive me where I failed. Anybody just want to rededicate today? You know, sometimes you take those repeating of the vows. Hallelujah. Say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours, Lord. Use me for your glory. Use me for your glory, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glorify your name. Glorify oh, yes. There's some that's come around this altar. Somebody pray with them, please. The hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They're feeling something they've never felt before. They're feeling something they've never felt before. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. 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 There's an invitation. Jesus is knocking at the door. Jesus is knocking at your heart's door. Won't you open up to him? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. That's it. That's it. Lord.